What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets in the car, while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This summer, click into cordless power with Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. And keep your flower beds looking fresh with the 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Then clear leaves and debris with the 40-volt leaf blower. No cords, no gas, no hassle. Click into Memorial Day Savings happening now at the Home Depot and on homedepot.com. How doers get more done. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Movie Crush. Charles W. Chuck Bryant here at the home studio, Pond City Market, Atlanta. And today was a very fun episode, guys. Uh, I had in David Diggs and Raphael Casal. And uh, David, you might know from a little Broadway show called Hamilton. Uh, he won a Tony. I actually had a Tony Award winner sitting across from me. And Raphael is uh, one of his oldest friends. They're both from the Bay Area in Oakland. And they have a new movie coming out they co-wrote and co-starred in and produced called Blind Spotting. Uh, and it opens July 27th in New York and L.A. and then August 3rd uh, across the country. And I really can't recommend this movie enough, guys. Blind Spotting is really good. It's the story of these two friends who, um, I mean, it's sort of a mix of genres. They call it a buddy comedy in a world that won't let it be uh, and that's sort of a good way to put it, but um, it's a story about these two friends in Oakland and kind of what's happening in their neighborhood, and they tackle like a lot of topics, everything from uh, the gentrification of the neighborhood to uh, gun violence, and through the through the core of the movie, there's a story of a police shooting that one of them witnesses, but it's also not really about that. It's really about these two guys and their struggles and their friendship and their relationship uh, with each other. And it's just a really, really good movie. It kind of recalled for me, and I told them in, in the interview, um, those great uh, early to mid-'90s indie films that uh, that I speak so much of on this show, um, movies like Do the Right Thing and uh, Girls Town and Juice 
and Slam and um, all these great indie movies from the from the mid '90s that made such an impression on me. And you get that feeling from Blind Spotting. It's uh, clearly a, a passion project and something these guys I learned. You know, it was about nine years in the making, and it was it was the first time for all of them out, including the director. Uh, so it's really really great film. Go check it out. Give it your support. Help spread the word. And we talked about that. We talked about their movie going history some. And we also talked about their picks a little bit for favorite film. Uh, Raphael's was Get Out, and we uh, had a good conversation about that and how that served actually as a bit of an inspiration for them. And then David's pick was a movie from 1947 from Preston Sturgis called The Sin of Harold Diddlebach. And uh, we got into that one a little bit, too. So it was a really interesting pick for a movie, and I don't get to see enough movies from the 1940s. So it was very cool that he he forced me to watch that. So uh, here we go with David Diggs and Raphael Casal on Get Out and the Sin of Harold Diddlebach and their own movie Blind Spotting. I feel like I'm hanging out with Colin and Miles. It's so weird after <laughs> <laughs> just seeing the movie. I was like, man, I love you guys. <laughs> uh, let me make sure. Are we rolling? All right, cool. Did they have like a like a screening for press folks here yeah. or something? Oh, they did. That's oh, that's great. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, everyone's like, I just saw the movie. I'm like, like how? how? Right. <laughs> you thought you had it under lock and key. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad know, they're doing those screenings. We yeah. just didn't know they were doing them. Yeah, it's I pretty assumed cool. everyone was going to see it tonight. Right. Well, and they were. Uh, oh, is there another screening tonight? The the one the Atlanta it's at the Atlanta Film Festival tonight. Yeah, yeah. That's oh, why okay. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, 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 that's great. It's tonight opening night. Yeah. Oh, way to go. Yeah, that's great. Kicking it off. I had a little short film in that festival like eighteen years ago. Oh wow! Yeah, wow. <laughs> I didn't know the festival was that old. Yeah, so it was like it's it was the forty-second. Yeah, it was whoa. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I mean that was in the days of the. I believe I shot it on digital eight. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. We're very familiar. I'm sure you guys. <laughs> yeah, you remember. Long forgotten formats. Long I'm sure. forgotten formats of tape. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys obviously are old friends, right? I mean, yeah, you, I mean, you yeah. Go way at this back. point, yeah, we go, we go way back. In Oakland, uh, Oakland and Berkeley. 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 Yeah, we went to Berkeley High School. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's cool. So you met when you were what? Teenagers. High, high school. Yeah, teenagers. Yeah. Jason's a little older than me. He was a senior and I was a freshman in high school. So, oh, but you still uh, made friends, huh? Not well, then. But not then. Later. We just kind of <laughs> knew <laughs> of each other's work yeah. then. Diggs was uh, Diggs was running track and doing theater and was involved in the um, in the poetry scene at my at the, at our high school and uh-huh. I was I was rapping and doing poetry stuff right. so he was sort of on his way out and I was getting into it. Uh, we reconnected later when he got back from Brown. I was running a recording studio and uh-huh. we were looking for artists and somebody brought him in and that was kind of it. That's awesome and that's how you kind of made your name through the poetry scene, right? Poetry scene was the first the first thing that I got any any real recognition for. Yeah, with Deaf Poetry on HBO. That's awesome. Yeah, it was a good time. That's really cool. Uh and then of course, you congratulations on your Tony. Oh yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I, got a Tony. yeah. <laughs> I think you were the I think I just I just moved out of my New York place. You're like, did I pack that? I must have shipped it, right? I don't know. It must be somewhere. 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 That's scary. I had to him into going back for it. I know. I like, you got to get the Tony. I was like, ah, just give it to the whole apartment. I was like, get the Tony I think you're the, the first place. award winner I've had on the show, if I'm not mistaken. Of wow. any kind of award or a oh. Tony Award winner? Well, definitely first Tony, but that's, I think, I had Tony Shalhoub on. I'm sure he's oh, probably yeah. won he's an Emmy. racked up awards. I'm for uh, If he hasn't, that's market. criminal. <laughs> I agree. Um, so my wife and I went to the screening. And both loved the movie. It was really, really 
great. Oh, awesome. Thank, What's it your was wife fantastic. Name? What's your wife's name? Emily. Emily. Oh. Thanks for coming, Thanks, Emily. Emily. Yeah, and she, uh, I mean, we're both indie film junkies, and it really just sort of kind of reminded me of those, um, like, I'm older than you guys for sure, but when I was uh, in college in sort of the early to mid-90s was when I got I worked at a cool video store, and that's when mm-hmm. I got my real introduction to indie filmmaking. And it kind of reminded me of that era of uh, of movies like, uh, well, Do the Right Thing Comes to Mind, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you ever knew a movie called Just Another Girl in the IRT. No. Yeah, that was a good one. Watch was, list. Uh, yeah. Watch list. We're going to get it. It should be on the watch list. Or no. a movie called Girl's Town. Yeah. Or Juice oh, with Town. Ernest Juice. Dickinson's yeah, Juice. Of mm-hmm. So it sort of reminded me it was um, of those, that early 90s indie scene. Mm-hmm. Kind of felt like a throwback in a lot of ways. Yeah, I guess we talked about that sort of early on in the process. I mean, the reality of the situation is our first film, and it was the only way we knew how to make a movie. Right. So like scrappy, right? But I think <laughs> um, we there, we talked about that sort of early on that there there the indie film has changed a lot since totally. what we sort of remember as being indie films, which had this kind of uh-huh. they were uh, s- sort of more daring in terms of how. Things were cut together, like uh-huh. they, you know, they 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 there was something about them that felt a little less polished, mm-hmm. and I think we did sort of in the editing kind of lean yeah, into to- that a little bit. I mean, bit. totally, we were we were trying to do something that didn't feel so stuck in its own genre. Like we've we've mm-hmm. got we've gotten into this like period of a lot of films that come out, they're just like they're barreling they're barreling down sort of the lane that you assume they're going to barrel down. And then I was going back and watching movies like. Why men can't jump and stuff. And I'm like, right. th- these films swing all over the place. They're, yeah. t- they're totally like so complex and interesting. And I was like, why? why? We were both just kind of like, well, what's if people could accept it then, they can uh-huh. accept it now. We yeah. should just, we should, we should lean into the complexity of the story and the characters and just let it rock out. Yeah. I mean, tonally, the way you guys pulled this off was just very tough to do and a real achievement, I think, because it was so funny and vibrant and energetic. Um, with the with the uh, the the hip hop um, verse as as dialogue and mm-hmm. all that stuff, and just the bold color palette, and it just really felt energetic and then and fun, and then uh, it just goes so dark. <laughs> but like you managed to pull it off, like it was pretty astounding to me that you were able to make that shift. And as an audience member, we bought it. Yeah, I think. You know, for us, it was it, in the writing of it. It was so we wanted to ground everything in the Bay Area, mm-hmm. and there is a way of of existing in the Bay Area where very, very big things are dealt with very, very casually. Uh-huh. Um, in a lot of different senses, like artists from there are incredibly virtuosic. Artists play. If you watch musicians who are from there play, like great, great musicians. They, they There's this air of like, oh, I'm just, I'm just messing around. You know, right, like right. there's like the, when you watch them play, it's like, it's nothing, but it, it's, it's so virtuosic and crazy. So uh-huh. that to the way that politics are talked about, to the way that, you know, death is laughed at, um, it's part coping mechanism, but also just like woven into the culture there right. that like big things are dealt with in small ways. And um, and so we wanted the film to do the same thing, to be mm-hmm. able to have, and that, and so the, to me, the reason it works is because those kind of swings, those tonal swings are actually woven into the fabric of the place that we're talking about. Right. It felt honest 
to the Bay Area we grew up in, which was what we were trying to Well, represent. it was a love letter to Oakland for yeah. sure. That really yeah, came yeah, through, yeah. which is great. I love movies like that yeah. uh, where people, you know, want to make a story about where they're from. Yeah. Uh, and then, the, you know, there was just so much you had to say in the movie, uh, but it never felt preachy or forced or anything. I mean, you guys get a lot in there, everything from uh, statements on gentrification to gun violence uh, to just interpersonal relationships. Uh, but it never felt like, I mean, I was amazed you were able to pack that much into a, whatever, hour and 40 minutes or whatever it was without feeling like you were getting preached at or talked to. It just felt really organic and believable. Yeah, thanks. I mean, <laughs> cool. <laughs> I'll take that. Check. <laughs> Check. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think we tried to make something that that allowed everything to to intersect the way that it does in real uh-huh. life and and not shy away from it. And so the for, for us, I don't know that we ever had the thought that we were like, oh, man, we're just like, yeah, we're going to take on these five things and we're going to find a way to pack it in. I right. It's just like, that's what he would say. Yeah, that's like <laughs> yeah. the real so shit. The, yeah. They're going to uh-huh. say it. And it's like, well, we, we can address it later if they would say it again or if it would come up again. But yeah. if not, it's just a passing moment. Uh-huh. And uh, I think it's really fun to leave so like decide what are the things that you sort of want to resolve and then and then ignore the other things that don't resolve and right. you know the span of 3 days yeah. between be, between friends and between uh, people in relationships right um yeah i think the you know we worked on this for so long and i think one of the one of the good things that came out of that is by the time we had a, a finished script or by the time we were we were really Rafa was digging into the last draft of this script. Like it, we knew these characters so well yeah. um, that it was much more about just figuring out what the situation was mm-hmm. and then just letting them do what they were going to do yeah. naturally. And so all, all of these things got woven into it, but it, I, I hope it doesn't feel preachy because no one was preaching. Cause we, there was no, no like, not at all. We weren't trying to say anything about the things we just wanted to let the characters deal with, right. with these situations, honestly. Yeah. And like, you know, with the gentrification angle, you didn't knock anyone over the head with it. It was just, it was sort of a brilliant choice to make you guys movers. Cause that allowed that storyline to play in, in a very organic way. Um, and then you just had that great scene toward the end where you went into the, the junk house oh, that yeah. was clearly, you know, being flipped by some uh, soulless investor. <laughs> and uh, as soon as they started to walk in, my wife and I just had this pit in our stomach. We were like, there's going to be just some amazing shit in there. Oh, yeah. And, of course, these family albums. And it's just a really uh, lovely way, I think, to send that message uh, yeah. in a subtle way. I loved that yeah. scene. I mean, that was Carlos, really, yeah, who was... decided, our director, Carlos uh-huh. Lopez Estrada, who, dist- who decided to do it all in one take. Oh, yeah, and, that uh, was one take, was one take. Yeah. There's this piece of, of verse that, that we loved, and, you know, there's a lot of ways you can sort of cut into that and mm-hmm. make it this spectacle. And, you know, kudos to him for... for Looking at how verse plays best, which yeah. is just to let it exist and shoot it that way. And it actually, that whole scene goes into improv at the end. Yeah. Um, like once the sort of structured piece that we crafted is mm-hmm. done, 
we just kept going. And right. he just like he and I remember just him just bass backing out, out like, down yeah. the hallway. Yeah, yeah. And we were just kinda like, Well, we didn't plan this, but like let's just riff. That's awesome. And we, we riffed in character and we just felt like it it's one of my that that pull out at the end of that scene is one of my favorite. Yeah. yeah. Was was really, and also that scene, there was a ton more of that scene also that we that we shot there's that a whole ended other up scene getting cut. Yeah, oh, really? Um that was real farce like it was kind of like a farce and real crazy and it, it never ended up in the film, I think mostly because uh, that shot was so it, it, it did, did all of the work that needed to be right. done and it really is that one really is a, a huge tribute to Carlos Lopez Estrada who directed the thing because also you know we didn't have the time to shoot right. that the way that he shot it but he insisted on taking the time to do it because he really sort of Ooh, knew that takes, that was gonna two three takes yeah but you know the setup the for that was 22 days 22 days nice so yeah. lean and mean 38 yeah. locations. Oh, man. Yeah. It was, insane. it was insane. Yeah. We didn't know we didn't when know. we were writing we, we it. We didn't that, know like, that you don't do that. Really <laughs> you don't write that many, <laughs> that many locations. Our producers <laughs> were like, well, this is really ambitious. We're like, but everything's ambitious. We got to say, we're like, well, this is <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So this is the first feature you guys have written together? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, we've written, like, We've written a, a, a play or two together. We've done pi- we've written pilots together. That mm-hmm. you know, none of these things really. Some of the plays we've gotten to put up and stuff, but but for the most part, like this has been the the script that just kept coming back. And we would we would sort of like create you know a, a big breakdown of another idea, and sort of especially over the last like two years, we were having all these meetings ab- about ideas that we loved. Yeah, and a lot of people wanted to develop stuff together, so we wouldn't then rush into writing a script. But the mm. thing that was they had a full version. We right. always kind of go back to it and be like, "Oh man, but that was great!" Like we, should, I hope you know. It's too bad we never got to make that mo- that movie. Yeah, and we you know we went into production two three times on or pre production two three times oh, on wow. it, and then mm-hmm. got halted for a different reason uh-huh. every time. So we sort of thought this was dead. Yeah. Um. How many years process was this? Nine. nine. Wow, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. I think the f- in, in the first three years we almost made it, and then like three years later we almost made it again, and then right before Days at Hamilton we were almost going to make it again. Wow. Um, and here kept, you are. The trailer's about to drop, and it's finally real. That must be an amazing feeling. It's crazy. Yeah, it's very totally cool. unbelievable. It's totally crazy. <laughs> uh, so these these characters of Colin and Miles are uh, like immediately you're on Colin's side. Like you see that you drop that three days left on probation angle, and immediately my wife and I are both like, "Oh man, please <laughs> just get through these three days." <laughs> like you're such a likable character, and you managed to be a likable character as well. It's kind of interesting. There's so com- there's so much complexity there because, like, you're kind of a bad guy in a lot of ways, but you're such a great guy, and then you're this great guy who we <laughs> later learned did this bad thing um, through that great scene where it's revealed why you were in jail to begin with. The car yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, the, such a great actor. scene as it, he was. He was the guy telling the story. Yeah, yeah, and then intercutting that with the flashback. But um, that part kind of reminded me of Do the Right Thing in that. Uh, Even being, like, a white suburban Atlanta kid, I remember seeing Do the Right Thing for the first time at the end and thinking, at the same time, Mookie, put down that trash can. (laughs) And also, Mookie, fucking throw that trash can. And I felt that way in that scene. I was like, man, don't do it. Don't don't attack this guy. But I also wanted to see him get his ass kicked so bad. Uh, I didn't think it would be while you were both on fire. That was great. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's true. This thing's going to be full of spoilers. But uh, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know, the complexity of characters like that is really, that's a lot to pull off, I think. 
yeah yeah i mean it again just like you know we we knew them really well so yeah. so getting to to just lean into them like that but i i, I think you know, it, it was by design. Like, no one's good or bad, and no one's, mm-hmm. they're just, everyone's just trying to get by, like right. I think all of us are, you know? And um, and also, the one of the things that I am proud of about this movie is that actually everyone's brilliant, too. Um, I don't yeah. know, you know, like, there aren't stupid people in the movie, really, no. except maybe that guy. <laughs> but we don't learn enough about him to know, really. He did a great job of yeah. being that guy. That yeah, was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's um, good. And uh, that scene also... We should shout out Utkarsh a lot for that because a lot of improv. He, on that that, scene. Yeah, oh, we, really? we shot Butchered the telling of it first, <laughs> and he was like, "So, do you need me to stick to this exactly?" Uh-huh. We were like, "We wouldn't have hired you if we thought we like somebody was going to something." Yeah, yeah. he's yeah. in Pitch, Pitch Perfect. Perfect. He was just in Game Over, man. Yeah, uh, he he's he's Mindy Calling's little brother on the Mindy. Oh, okay. that, that might have been um, And he's yeah, he's he's, he's killing really it. He's doing yeah, a lot yeah. of great stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, you know, the, the, it was really interesting about the film is like everyone feels differently about Colin and Miles in the beginning. Yeah. And, but but I do think it's a testament to Diggs's performance that like mm-hmm. a, a courtroom scene where he says one word yeah. gets you on his side. Yep. Just his reaction to, uh, you know, a, a, a voiceover essentially that's, uh-huh. that's playing. Um, and, uh, you know, depending on how you value the attributes of Miles... You're either more in his camp or less in his camp. You know, like he he yeah. cherishes very particular things. Mm-hmm. If you cherish those things, you mm-hmm. get someone who's sort of militantly like that. Yeah. Or if you ever had a friend like that, you know, whether they're like Miles or not, but just somebody who's like a knucklehead, yeah. but like but loves you to death. I know that loose cannon know? thing. It, it, there's a lot of anxiety involved in watching a character like that. <laughs> but you see, when you see where it comes from, it's you know, at the end of the day, you're a good guy. You want to provide for your for your wife and your son, who was adorable, by oh, the way. Man. Oh, man. Get up, Ziggy. Ziggy. That was ridiculous. Yeah. Kid's so cute. Yeah. <laughs> he was great. Uh, he's, he's in he's, every Old Navy commercial. Well, old Navy commercial. <laughs> I mean, oh, he is, really? He is firing on all, uh, <laughs> <laughs> all cylinders. We'll all be Navy. working for him in 10 years, <laughs> yes. for sure. He's great. This summer, click into Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot and get after those outdoor projects with some serious cordless power from Ryobi. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. Leaves and debris are no match for the 40-volt power of the Ryobi leaf blower. No cords, no gas, no hassle. Tidy up those flower beds and keep your walkways looking sharp with Ryobi's 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Yard work, done and done. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at your cordless power source, The Home Depot. Shop now at The Home Depot or homedepot.com. How doers get more done. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. So the, the, to me, the scene, like when you're in a movie theater and those pin drop moments in a theater are really powerful. That's why I still love going to movies with an audience as much as I can. But uh, at the end, when, you know, you, you find yourself in the basement of the facing down the cop and then that long verse piece is just insanely good. And the theater, it was just like you could it was a collective chill bump moment. Uh, and you rarely get that in theaters. It was just so amazing and powerful. So uh, how many times did you go through that? I was just curious about the shooting. A, a bunch and in pieces sort of, kind of in three big chunks. Yeah, and then obviously I, I had to do the reverse also. Uh-huh. Um, but it was, you know, and with a click in the ear because we had already, uh, okay. we had decided that it needed to be tempo synced to the alarm. Uh-huh. I noticed that. <laughs> and so uh, so we decided on the tempo of the alarm before yeah. we started pre-production. So we, so we had— it's, it's, Yeah, it's written to that click. It's written to that click. So we had we had that in our hand. Then we did a pre-record of it to sort of make sure it was going to work. And, uh-huh. and that's also one of the oldest pieces in the film. Right? I mean, you— uh, Parts the, of it, in yeah. Parts of it, like, were— That scene is. That scene's yeah. been in there Oh, for, some of the first things you wrote forever. But some of the some of the language in there, too, has been in there for quite a long time. And then, uh, yeah. And then I, I maybe added, like, two bars to it or something in the middle other than— Yeah, it's like an early read. draft of it that I that I wrote. And, and I, we were always just kind of like, mm-hmm. but Diggs, you'll want to— well, Like, this is, is what it should essentially say, but, like— you're also a rapper, like we're like right. you'll want to rewrite this later. And I'd done that all the way through Discord. There's all these raps in there that ended up just staying. Um, and just kind of looked and was like, no, no, that's that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna add this right here. This would just give it a little bit of my yeah, just flavor. Want to look something in there, but, <laughs> yeah. like, but this is this is it. Uh, which is was awesome for me because the big catalyst of the thing was like I always just wanted to write the the verse component so much, but also wanted to make sure that it like. Landed the right way. Yeah. Um, and so for us to sit there and like, we, you know, we've been doing music together for so long. So uh-huh. those, to, to write to write those sections for Diggs to do is like, he's, an, he's a rapper that I, that we're like, anytime we're on a song, we're just trying to outdo each other. And it's like, right. it's hard. It's, you know, it's, we're constantly doing this. <laughs> yeah, that's so great. it's an incredible amount of respect for each other as, as, as writers. And so to like have him look at something and be like, no, it's good. Yeah. It's Pretty like, sweet, huh? <laughs> awesome. Black <Yeah>. experience. <laughs> such a great moment. And then Ethan Embry, of course, he, he did such a good job. And uh, my wife was like, I think that's oh Ethan God. Embry. Yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, he, he's just in that little bit aside from the you know beginning. So powerful. He's but, uh, yeah, he did a great I mean, job. 
for someone to ever everybody walks away saying how phenomenal he is, and he says yeah. what six words in the whole maybe jeez yeah he just had um, to just break down for those whatever few minutes yeah um and he's yeah but his performance i mean even the you know at the very beginning too he's just so he's so good and his and his process was so phenomenal i uh-huh. think to sort of be around just the, even you know once the script was done we finally started showing it to people and having people come into audition for it the right. way people responded to the script was so heartwarming for us because everyone took it so seriously yeah and it's this thing we'd been living with for so long, but also that we joke about all the time. And right. that we, you know, and even for us on set, nothing was precious, but people were treating it. People really responded to the script uh-huh. and and gave it, you know, even him, like the kind of work he did on that character, the kind of research he did right. was incredible. Head, and you and you see it, oh, but yeah. the fact that an actor of his caliber and sort of at his level would mm-hmm. would do that, you know. And every, everybody, you know. You got a great supporting cast for this. We had a great, great cast. Really yeah. Yeah. You know, Tolina and Tisha Jasmine Campbell. Jasmine Stevens-Jones. Jazz, uh, yeah, Tisha Campbell. Getting Tisha Campbell Wayne was Knight. amazing. And her, too. The yeah, way she Wayne put Knight. on it. And Wayne Knight. Wayne Knight came in and read he for He read us. for like, the role. We could, wow. They were like, Wayne Knight wants to come in and read. We were like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's great. Uh, and, and he, was, and he like, was so generous with his, with his time in the early process and... Tisha has so many great things to say about it, and she was really just on set with us for a day and yeah. told us this great Tupac story, which oh, we yeah. can't share. <laughs> um, oh, and uh, uh, but no, you know our 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 core cat that you know Ethan, Odkarsh, and Janina and Jasmine. Yeah, you know they. I was already you know pretty good friends with Jasmine and like, but had never really met Janina before. Mm-hmm. That was a new. She was sort of the the new addition, but she was really good friends with Odkarsh. And like since then, we just like all hang out all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the crew. Um, that sort of became the the crew, and there's such. I mean, there's such powerhouse performances. Yeah, and there's a lot of you know Margot Hall, who plays Colin's mother. Uh-huh. The thing is also a, a like a, a Bay legend. Area legend, yeah. theater legend, and we you know she's played my mom on a number of different occasions. <laughs> yeah. So having her and this was was really really special. It was yeah. definitely a family affair. To like so many of our friends are are extras or you know. Uh-huh. Featured in certain scenes, just doing background stuff. Yeah. Um, and and all of the background is local. A ton of the crew is local. So it was so, you know, real we got Oakland to shoot movie. in Oakland. For, yeah, it's, it's real Oakland yeah. for real. That's <laughs> awesome. Uh, and I, I do want to bring up the scene, too, that uh, who was the guy that played the uh, your buddy with the, the Uber driver? Well, sort of Uber driver. Oh, John. Yeah. John Trafford. John, yeah, yeah. With all the guns in the car, yeah, yeah, yeah. But John the, the scene that you guys have, the uh, he's the man. Yeah, so I mean good. that scene with you two talking <clears throat> to each other. Uh, what was the inspiration there <clears throat> for that scene? Yeah, uh, a real life. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, it was, it was a story from my life, except I was Colin in this situation, but I was in the front seat. A buddy of mine um, <laughs> is <he> was. <laughs> I want to be very careful with this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I was much younger in my in my early twenties, and um, I sort of like half jokingly was like, I always want you know I always wanted to have a a gun, and I feel very differently about guns now, which mm-hmm. is a whole other conversation. But at the time, like that was it was so it was so normalized for the people I was around. Everyone I was around at the time had one, um, and I remember sort of mentioning that to him in the car and he just started pulling them out they were everywhere in the car it was like there was like one in the there was one in the the airbag thing in the in the steering wheel and there was one in the 
dash you could lift here, and there was one in the glove box and two <laughs> under the seat, and there was one in the middle divider, and then he had one like in his in his pocket. I just remember like sitting there with this pile of guns in my lap, and I was just like, I remember clocking at them, being like, "Well, this is going in something." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, um, and then we we sort of we had another opening scene, and and we, when I went back for rewrites in in March, I think that's when we wrote that scene, right? It was in yeah. March, it's one of the new ones. Yeah. Um, we started this new opening and just thought it was so funny. We're like, "Oh my god, it's gonna it open was very up funny. This, all these guns in the car is gonna be fantastic, yeah. and you'll get the humor and the stakes right away." Um, well, and just a great visual gag. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like comedy. It's like works how comedy works. You uh-huh. know? Like there's one more than there had to be. Right. <laughs> <laughs> At least one more. It's, it's, uh, yeah, I love, I love that scene so much. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, congratulations on the movie. Uh, we're so going to back up now, and yeah. I want to talk a little bit about just your individual sort of film, uh, formative film years. Yeah. We talked to a lot of guests in here sort of about those early teenage years where you really start watching movies and come into your own as a film fan. Um, what, what about you guys? What was some of the some of your early favorites? Oh, man. I mean, so many. So at a very young age, my, one of my best friends, uh, William Hudson, I'm in a band called Clipping With right now, but he... he Bill. Yeah, what up, Bill? But his mom's house was like the spot. His parents were professors, and they would let him watch any movie. There were no mm-hmm. restrictions on movies at his house. Yeah, it's so that's nice where to you go, to like that, yeah. right? So, you know, so at ten years old, we're watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre right. at like four in the morning, and Eraserhead and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, so he sort of introduced me to a lot of a lot of films that I that I ended up loving, like those two, mm-hmm. um, and really like genre stuff like that and then um yeah and then i love you know i loved cartoons i still love cartoons so like and sort of my and and with my dad i would always go see and we go see movies still to this day but that was one of my favorite experiences like going to see movies with my dad what was he into um we were into action movies so Uh like you know, I still remember going to see Jurassic Park for the first time right. and falling out laughing in the theater. I actually, we thought that movie was so funny uh-huh. um, and great. But I remember, you know, standing up clapping uh, after the first fight scene in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Oh, yeah. I remember uh, going to see Blade uh-huh. several times. <laughs> yeah. So, like, That's all those one. movies are really important. Um, but, yeah, I love my favorite sort of era of of Disney cartoons or sort of those those 70s ones that were really cheap. I love Disney's Robin Hood. Yeah, you had that on your list. Yeah, like for the, favorites. The backgrounds are all repeated and yeah, it's super cheap, but movie. the voice performances are incredible yeah, in that. So good. I think it's maybe my favorite. And then I when people ask me what my favorite film is for a lot of years now I've said this this Preston Sturgis film called The Sin of Harold Diddlebuck. Um which is a totally crazy movie that I found there was like I don't know this internet archive of just of just public domain films uh-huh. that I used to watch all the time late yeah. at night um, in my like early twenties, and uh, and I stumbled across it on there and I watched it like a hundred times and it's sort of about a guy who gets fired from his job that he's had his whole life at a, working at a bank yeah. and he's never had a, he's proposed to several generations of the same woman who's like a, you know yeah, and, that was such a weird right. part of that movie and then uh, and then 
he leaves. He's never had a drink. He runs into sort of a, a bum on the street who convinces him to go have a drink for the War, first wormy. time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, and they go into this bar, and the bartender makes it his personal. He's, you know, is so touched that he's about to make this guy's first drink. He yeah. makes him the most incredible drink he can think of making. And then there's this long montage of just, like, boozy nonsense. Uh-huh. And at the end of it, he buys a circus. And the rest of the film is him figuring out what to do with all of these circus animals. <laughs> yeah, it was so good, man. And I don't see so enough good. movies from the 30s and 40s. Yeah. And every time I do, I think, why don't I watch more of these movies? I love it. Because there's so much, uh, there's so little clutter right. in those old movies. Uh, like the cameras are usually locked down. Yeah. And the scenes are really long. You had to watch performances. I mean, that I had was, to watch performances. It was all about the words and the performance. Yeah, and I, that really came through in that movie. Yeah, I grew up also watching like Abbott and Costello films. Things uh-huh. like that. I loved. I just loved old comedies and so stuff like that. I've started watching the Thin Man movies on. Uh, those are all like Criterion Collection uh-huh. stuff now. They're on what's Turner's thing, Filmstruck, yeah. uh-huh. which I just subscribed to, and those are incredible. Yeah, these great like detective stories, but like the detective is actually an ex-detective, and all he's trying to do is get drunk all the time. Like he's not really trying to solve mysteries, but he keeps having alcohol them. plays into a lot of those old movies. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. <laughs> everybody, they're all just a bunch of drunks. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and you could argue that in in Diddlebuck that alcohol in a weird way. Is like the the device that moves that plot forward. Yeah, whoa, one hundred percent. Because even at the end, he is he gets drunk and gets married. Yeah, yeah that's right. And <laughs> and manages to sell the circus to the Ringling Brothers. Yeah. for like one hundred and seventy five grand, which is like yeah. two or three million bucks. Yeah, today. Yeah, <laughs> it's a really fun movie. It's a good film. Check check out the Cinevero Diddlebug. It is free on the internet somewhere. Yeah, I actually watched it on YouTube. Oh, there you go. It's not the best quality version, but I don't know, I don't know if there is a great quality version <laughs> anywhere yet. This summer, click into Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot and get after those outdoor projects with some serious cordless power from Ryobi. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. Leaves and debris are no match for the 40-volt power of the Ryobi leaf blower. No cords, no gas, no hassle. Tidy up those flower beds and keep your walkways looking sharp with Ryobi's 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Yard work, done and done. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at your cordless power source, The Home Depot. Shop now at The Home Depot or homedepot.com. How doers get more done. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. 
It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Uh, Raphael, what about you as far as the early days? <clears throat> I mean, I, I sort of had the, the, the good fortune of having a similar experience to Diggs where, like, our our family is a movie family. Oh, really? We went, That's great. We went to, you know, everything we could was, like, opening night. Like, I have, I have like, a, a binder somewhere at my, my folks' house still that's just ticket stubs for, like, four years worth of, like, my dad taking me to, like, opening night cool. movies mm-hmm. and, like, doing those midnight showings. We stand in line for, uh-huh. like, the big franchise stuff and then... But then my parents, the sort of the counterweight to that was my parents would always take me to uh, just whatever indie film they were super into. And they uh-huh. still do that. Like, they're, I'll get a call. I'll probably get an email today from my mom being like, you got to go see this film. This little tiny thing was made by this director. It's a documentary. You got to go see it. That's so like, cool. They're, they're on it all the time. Like, that's our family thing is to go to movies and then sit down and go to dinner and talk about them. And Man, that was sort of how we were so lucky. It was yeah. amazing. It was like everything was about, was about story and about meaning. And so, like, our, our, discussion point as a family was always like what did you like were you into the cinematography were you into the story mm-hmm. did this stick out to you this didn't work for me like we're a real like like you know movie snooty family yeah yeah um but we have like we've all dialed our snootiness together like we go to see a movie we'll walk and be like whoa we didn't none of us like that like, <laughs> you know, that's it um but we like you know every christmas every thanksgiving like we have we just like food movie yeah um and uh so the indies were big musicals were big like remember like early on it was like my dad was like Zoot Suit, Boys in the Hood, <laughs> Godfather, Little Shop of Horrors. Like, yeah. These were the back-to-back, you know, things. But the, the big list. turning point for me was the Indie Slam, which Saul Williams mm-hmm. put out probably when I was like 13 oh, or 14. Man. That, yeah, it's a great I, film. I saw that in the theater. Like, yeah, I, so, I, so I was rapping, but I didn't understand verse outside of rap music, really, or uh-huh. its context or function within art outside of rap music. Yeah, And so that really, that thrusted me into it. And I think somewhere between, like, going to, like, every Berkeley rap play they could get us into, which was more expensive than going to the movies. So yeah. the movies was the cheaper thing because we were poorer when we were younger. Um, but then as we got older, more and more plays, as we like, as you develop like a patience for, right. for sitting and having those stories, I was a very ADD kid. Yeah. So that was, that was tricky for me when I was younger. Um, but they just wanted to make sure that I saw as much as possible. Uh-huh. Um, were they in the business at all or creative no, people? No, I or? mean, they're, they're absolutely creative people. I think we both have very eclectic parents that, that did a number of different things over the years. Like, mm-hmm. Jesus' mom was a radio DJ among a ton of other things. Yeah, a club DJ. Yeah. A club DJ. And, and my, both my parents worked in radio and they worked in healthcare. And, and yeah. uh, uh, But they do a, set of, like, a lot of nonprofit work and a lot of writing work. And, and, uh, and so all of that, that, that crazy intersection of, of mm-hmm. sort of, of, of talent that they had, I think aligned them both on their, like, mutual love for, like, a really, really well-told story that yeah. that moved the needle and moved them in some way. And I think they wanted to make sure that they're, they're you know, when you're, when you don't have a lot of money, when you're, when you're poor, and we're, yeah. we're, once we got into our teens, we, like, we finally made it up to middle class, but right. we're not there. The way that you show your kids the world is film. Yeah. You know, it takes you other places. It shows you other, other communities that you can't just immediately jump into. And while we grew up, I grew up in like a, you know, 
the Bay Area is super diverse and like you know was immersed in, in mostly like black and brown communities, but the anything outside of that, you know, we're, we're traveling to very specific areas. We can't see the world all over the place. And so right. that was it. Here's what New York's doing. Here's what Chicago's doing. Here's what's happening in Atlanta. Here's what's ha- you know, yeah. check out these indie movies that capture that, yeah. that space. And so it's, it was really a, f- you know, phenomenal. Now when I meet people who are like, Oh, I'm not really, we're really, a, I'm not really a movie person. I'm like, oh, that sucks for you. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that's, that's what, to, you know, Cracked me out of the matrix. Yeah, I was kind of the same way. My parents were teachers and just, you know, lower middle class, didn't have a ton of money. We, we couldn't, like, let's all five of us go to the movies and buy popcorn and candy. Mm-hmm. It just didn't happen. So, and, and traveling all over the world didn't happen, certainly. Right. So, seeing movies, and that's where I learned about uh, so many things. Like, uh, I mean, I've told this story before on the show, but I remember seeing um, Crooklyn for the first time oh, yeah. and thinking, man, it wasn't so different for this black family in Brooklyn in the 70s than me and my little uh, white suburban neighborhood in the 70s. Like, we were—it wasn't too far apart. I mean, we yeah. didn't have the the uh, glue huffer on the sidewalk. <laughs> right. But as far as the, the family relationship and the kids fighting over the TV and just sort of that innocent time, yeah. it kind of made me feel more of a bond, uh, even though I feel like I kind of grew up in a weird little bubble. Mm. You know, yeah, and that's just that's where I learned about race and things like that. When you know, you kind of forced to grow up where you grow up. Crooklyn, man, I, yeah, I remember it's watching it one. with my mom. Ah, man, such a good we movie. We rented it the first time I saw it. I remember, yeah. Well, my wife Black and I were just talking about that brownstone last night, and like, yeah. w- what movie house would you live in? I was like, man, that brownstone in Crooklyn. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that one. might be the one. That's, that's the such one. a sweet place. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so your movie pick was Get Out, or among others. Among, yeah, I, I sort of I sent you the list of like here's what here's what's interesting to me today. Yeah, and it's like it's hard to not sort of one thing about my favorite movies of all time. I was like, well, what's that's an what impossible was, question. Was, first of all, yeah, it's an impossible yeah, question. Yeah. I think I wrote Change that back. Also, well, that's an impossible question. Yeah. But here's what today is, and sort of listed off a bunch of you know musicals and other things that just came to mind. But uh-huh. it's so hard right now to not. What Get Out was such just so groundbreaking. It's hard yeah. not to just be like, oh well, that's certainly in this list right now. You uh, know, like uh-huh. I, so I'm so interested to see how it wears over time. And I, my guess is that it's just going to get better <laughs> over time. Yeah, um, because there's going to be so sort of so many copycats and like ele- uh, yeah. you know iterations and elaborations on this sort of like subgenre that got created. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just like smart. Yeah, I've seen it like three or four times now, and like it's every time I'm like. Damn, there's another Easter egg that I didn't catch last time. Yeah, and talk about mixing tones. Uh, oh, yeah. It's a bit of a miracle of a movie that he could write something like that and pull it off, and it, that it was greenlit. Like, I imagine on the page, it probably seemed really weird. Uh, okay, yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, who knows? You know, for, certainly for a studio exec, but I think the, the beauty of that, it's so it's so clever and and so, you know, it wastes no words or time. Yeah. And I think I... Um, the the last time that I really had that experience was this the, when I read this play called Clybourne Park that I saw at ACT and SF years ago. I remember sitting in the audience and 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 watching the show and going, "It's not one wasted word in this script. This mm-hmm. script is freaking flawless." Yeah. Um, get out. You know, like near same experience. It was just like, mm-hmm. wow, this is polished and clean and clever. That's and such a tough thing to learn as a writer too is that mm-hmm. efficiency. It's just awe, yeah. really. You know, and and what's awesome is like watching Jordan Peele's career mm-hmm. 
if you were paying attention during Key and Peele, they were just trying this out over yeah. and over and over right. and going funny to horror. Yep. Every bit took it too far uh-huh. every time. And and they were refining this muscle. Yeah. So I remember when I saw the the premise and saw I was in it, I was just like, oh, oh my God. He might, like, this this might be, be yeah. and if it is, and then you see it, and you're like, "Oh, dude, way to overdeliver!" Yeah, like that. That is a that's a slam dunk, yep. and and also just like, what an awkward viewing experience for so many people. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the feel. Like it's so rare that you walk out of a theater and you feel weird uh-huh. <laughs> about everyone you see in the lobby. Absolutely, it's like, good job, man. Yeah, <laughs> this is uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, it was a stroke of genius to um, make the. Uh, the family just, you know, like these great uh, liberal white people. Yeah. Like he, it, it would have been so obvious to kind of go the other way. But mm-hmm. um, to go the way he went, uh, there were – I mean the family was sort of that that other kind of racist where you're like, oh, let me – here's my my daughter's black boyfriend. Let me trot him out as a little museum piece. It's, it's like he knew what white people were going to come to the movie and was like, yeah. Like what do we make, make of people you? like me <laughs> My seat. Yeah, and know that it's a that it's like a it's a joke on it's a joke on you. And yeah. it's, it's and a really good joke. <laughs> yeah. Um that's 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 played out to sort of its horrific end and I just Well like, and the, yeah, then that third act is just fucking God, bonkers. So fun. Oh, yeah. It just, just it goes I mean it's funny, it's mixing comedy with the creep factor and it gets creepier and creepier, and then in that third act it's just I watched it again last night. Uh, and I just had forgotten. It was the second time I'd seen it. I'd forgotten how nuts that third act is when he really goes there. And stemming from a real, like a very, what's fun about it is it stems from like a real hypothetical fear, mm-hmm. which when we were making our film, I mean, Get Out was for sure in the canon of things that, that we, when I was doing the rewrites in March, like was, I was sitting in a, th- in a dark room in a theater mm-hmm. for like 18 hours a day, just like cramming and cramming and cramming and then calling digs at like two in the morning and being like, I did this, 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 and this. Here's what I'm thinking. You know, give me your feedback. And, like, yeah. I, and during that time, I would just have movies on. And Get Out was was sort of always coming back. Yeah, um, osmosis style. Yeah, well, mostly because I think it it did, it took to a fantastical degree something that, that we were trying to do, which is like, Khan is in a horror movie mm. and everyone else is in a buddy comedy. Yeah. And Miles doesn't is is getting dragged is like sort of is along the ride for somebody else's horror movie uh-huh. and then starts to get pulled in his own sort of obscure genre direction and, and is resisting it in his own way. Yeah. Um but the movie starts with a very clear concept and they're and like uh, to a certain degree, like Miles' derailing is somewhat triggered by Colin's derailing and he doesn't see the relationship between yeah. the two. Because um, they're expedited because of each other, and I think the the fun of like making the genre a part of the 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 flip on itself uh-huh. is such a meta thing to do that I that I that I just enjoyed about Get Out. I was like, oh god, can we like do something that's that buried in our film right. that feels mm-hmm. that 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 feels that original and that and that interesting? What um, genre would you even call your movie if you had to? It's a tough one. It's a dramedy, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah but that sounds like, it's such a, a silly comedy. thing to call a movie. I always we say it's, it's a buddy comedy in a world that won't let it be one. And I think what I love about oh, that good. what I love about that phrase is um, it it is the example of the title uh-huh. because blind spotting is about seeing something and going right for the thing that your eye goes for. Yeah, and a buddy comedy in a world that won't let it be one. Uh-huh. You hear buddy comedy and you just check out. Sure. And you go, that's a buddy comedy. And it's proven by the way that we got 
covered in the press. Yeah. We gave the oh, whole really? sentence and everyone said, a buddy comedy starring Ralph Ogleson and Davi Diggs said in Oakland. It was like, wait, 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 in a world that won't let it be one. Right. That's sort of the key That's to the that key sentence. thing. But your eye went where it wanted to because buddy comedy is what you're used to. And a world right. that won't let it be one is a new phrase. Right. So you just sort of walked away from it. But the key is this second part that's like, hey, it's going to start there. Uh-huh. But the thing that we talk about with comedy is it's that, that, I don't like is in order for some of their premises to work, mm. um, you have to ignore the state of the world. Right. And I hate I hate that muscle when I'm watching a thing. I'm like, this movie is really funny for right. this incubated like white suburban thing, but like, wh- where is this? Uh-huh. Right. Like this is this is Trump's America right here. Where right. we can't you can't pretend like that's not happening right now. Yeah, that's not um, honest. Yeah. yeah, and that's a different thing, and that's fine. Like, that's, there's, a, there's a sort of escapism uh-huh. filmmaking, but I think this was for this prompt was the opposite. Yeah, I mean, it, your movie was so grounded in reality, but also had this heightened sense of reality the way... Um, who, was, who was the director again? Carlos, Carlos Lopez. Yeah, Estrada. the way you guys shot it. Um, what's his history? He's... Well, we met... Carlos shot a bunch of music videos for clipping. That's how... From the oh, band. Okay. That's how we met. And then uh, later on, started working with... Raphael on some things and we partnered so we developed this thing called a bars workshop uh-huh. in New York it's housed at the public theater it's kind of just like a playground for for the intersection of like theater and verse work and we would do these kind of big overreaching final projects every year that or mm-hmm. every after every cohort that that um we would film we asked Carlos to do it one time and he'd you know came in and did way more with it than we had asked him to do yeah um and so, you know, when when it came time to to actually start making this, he was he is somebody who we knew was ready to make a feature, um, and also somebody who we had this kind of shorthand with that uh-huh. we already had with our producers. Right. That you know, the we knew that the 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 making of this thing was gonna sort of live and die by our ability to understand each other mm-hmm. really well. Um, so it was somebody that we trusted to make it, and and uh, and so, yeah, and and he does. He's also like great at doing a lot with a little. You know, uh-huh. he's he's mm-hmm. he has been able to. So he key. outshines every budget he's ever had. You yeah. know, he's so, which is also important. Um, and he's and he has also proven to be great with verse. You know, he's found ways in in all of our dealings together to to allow verse to feel natural and not mm-hmm. forced and not shoot things in a way that, that yeah. is going to make them feel like they're outside of the world. So And shout out to Robbie Baumgartner, who's a DP, well. who like really... He looks so great. He's yeah, an OG I mean, in the but, game, and I think the pairing of him and Carlos was such a smart choice because Robbie's refined and seasoned mm-hmm. and knew how to make it look way more expensive than it was and capture the color the way that we talked about it. Yeah, and, yeah. And help Carlos, like, achieve some of those kind of really insane ideas that he had. It was such a confident film for a first time out for everybody. Yeah, I think... I think we really know any other way to... Yeah, a lot of that is just not knowing that we were doing it wrong. Yeah. And then I think also <laughs> Robbie... And, and to, be. to be Robbie's, you know, to Robbie's credit also, because that stuff must have driven him crazy, but yeah. he figured out the puzzle. You know, we would tell him things that he's like, oh, it's not... You make movies, but let me figure it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, see, I I know what you want. I'm going to get this. And yeah. then he would figure it out, you know. So. Well, you only get to make the first one uh, once. Yeah. So. Uh, 
You just hope that people see it and talk about it. Like the, the fact yeah. that it's already gotten this far is nuts. Yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling there'll be a lot of good word of mouth on this one. And it feels like kind of how a movie like this grows. I hope so. I just, yeah, yeah as, as many people as possible to see it is really like the goal. That's like, yeah. we, I love it, which is crazy. I don't love a lot of things that I do. I oh, love, really? I love this movie. So, um, Your own worst critic? I guess. Yeah. I, you know. I'm just sort of on to the next, but this one has obviously like sat with us for a decade, right? And like, yeah. and it's still sitting with me, and and every time I watch it, I I still enjoy it. Uh-huh. So you know, I'm I, this will be a thing that I'm very excited for people to see. And we've seen it a lot. We've seen it a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how that goes. Yeah, <laughs> really get sick of that after a while. Uh, well, maybe we'll see you like Jordan Peele on stage. Accepting yeah. a uh, screenplay Oscar <laughs> yeah, that moment, I mean, uh, it, you know, <laughs> it was just. Uh, I feel like he represented a lot of people, yeah. um, not just people of color, but just people like sort of the outsider, the uh, the the indie. Uh, even though obviously Get Out was, I wouldn't say it was an indie, but it was just it felt like a win. It for, certainly started for him as an indie. Yeah, you know? yeah. it, it <laughs> felt know? like a win for a lot of us, though. Yeah, uh, like I, my wife and I, I think he even got a little choked up when he got up there. And then, of course, I don't know if you saw the pictures of uh, of uh, uh, Key. Yeah, watching oh, yeah. it. Yeah, we had seen it. We were actually with down. him the we day were, before that. Yeah. Oh, so no we way. ran into him at a, at a party and and, uh, and just like it was so fun to like sort of catch his energy for. Like, we yeah. talked for like five minutes and yeah. catch his energy there and then see that picture the next day. Yeah. It was just like it was so cool. Damn, that's cool. I, like, I feel like the world just gave them both like a collective hug. After yeah, that. you know, J- Jordan represents a lot, but for a lot of people, like I think the the this like sweeping thread for everybody is like just the transition from what he was doing before to that. There's uh-huh. just so much doubt. Yeah. And, and he expressed that doubt on stage, accepting that award, uh-huh. you know, even us hearing it. Like when he's like, I've picked up and put this down so many times. I was like, mm-hmm. I feel you. Bro. Yeah. 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 Like, I'm sure you guys were right. That, there. Is, that is trying to get your first movie made mm-hmm. is years and years and years of like, Oh, fuck this. Put it aside for yeah. a year. I mean, like, oh, no, I, oh, I'm, you know, I got my energy back. Let's do a little bit more. Right. That's the artistic process. And I think he just feels like an artist. Yeah. You know, and that does. Sure there are always... moments where you think, like, is this even good? And yeah. Have, like, yeah. have that self doubt creep in, but still. But... <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Um, but you, you know, you just got to believe in that thing and not let the time involved get you down, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. and that, I think that is it about Jordan. Like, watching someone who has ha- had, has struggled through that road as an artist and not been beaten down by it. Yeah. That's what gives you the hope, you know? It's just yeah. like, well, you're like, sure. you, you did this and, and it didn't, you still, you still were able to make the thing you were trying to make yeah. despite how many hurdles are and in And it just way. lit up the world, you know? Yeah. It was the hottest movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for a good reason. Yeah. Well, what's next for you guys? Ooh. Oh, when, is, when <laughs> does this come out? <laughs> uh, kind of flexible there. We can we can align it with the release date of the movie or okay. whatever. I don't know. Uh, I think there's two things I'd say we can't talk about. But uh, yeah. <laughs> you've got. Well, I'm I'm currently shooting this this film for that Dan Gilroy is directing mm-hmm. um, for Netflix that uh, is real fun. So. It's another horror-ish themed thing. I, oh, cool. I, yeah, I can't talk about it too much, I guess. But it's, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal and Rene Russo and Tony Collette. And oh, so just a small little thing. Just a like, small little thing. <laughs> but it does feel like that. Also, John Malkovich, like hanging out with John Malkovich. Holy shit. Like, you know. Wow. 
so that's been fun. And I start working on Snowpiercer for TNT. Oh, um, they're going to take that to a TV show. Yeah. Oh, wow. So that, that's really that exciting. In the summer. Are y- y'all are going to, uh, are y'all going to write another movie together? Oh, I feel yeah. like you kind of have to. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. so we, we started, we're, we're, we're building this production company with Justin Keith Calder, who we did this movie with. Oh, great. And we have, we have some scripts in development over there and, and, uh, uh, the ink's not dry on some other stuff that we can't talk about, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, wet ink is a good thing, guys. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. great. Um, but you know, the, the our sort of our general dynamic is like everything that each of us does individually gets better when the other one's involved. And so uh-huh. I think the fun of this is just going. You know, we've had fifteen show a movie ideas on paper for ten years, yeah. and you hear like, no, 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 and then like yeah. last few years it was like, actually, let's take that meeting, let's take yeah. that meeting, and like uh-huh. now we're getting like, hey, which you know, which one do you yeah. want to do with us? Right. Which is just a, it's just a different conversation. So I think we're acclimating to that sure. and trying to figure out, well, what are the, what is the correct order of ideas? That's the right. most. You have to be a little strategic with it now. Yeah, and I think yeah, figuring out how to how to you know, position ourselves to be able to keep doing this, right? Like, that's right. the that's the, that's the the game at this point. Like, we're building the album for the movie right now. Yeah, the really soundtrack exciting. will be out soon, and, oh, and nice. that's exciting. We're very it's excited about that. doing a lot of rapping with a lot of Bay Area artists. Bay Area artists and, are you going to, uh, is some of the verse from the movie, are you making that into actual music, or? Uh, there There is talks of the verse sections of the, of the movie being released along or alongside oh, cool. this so that people can kind of sit with it and yeah. get into it. But I think they, they are what they are. Yeah. And then I think the music that we're creating is some of it is in the movie and some of it is inspired by the movie right. to kind of bring everyone into that world. But we're trying to do something like sort of fun and yeah. and unique and exciting musically to sort of accompany the film when it comes out. That's really but cool. There's also, you know, there's like 40 placements. There's like 40 there's needle drops of, in that movie. Of, and yeah. six of them are brand new. Verses that we got from from local Bay Area folks, um, that hopefully those will have full song versions on the right. on the album, and then we also are, you know we'll create a, a playlist of the of the needle drops for everybody to listen to just to know because it's all it's almost all Bay Area specific by Bay Area artists and. Uh-huh. and um, so yeah, we're we're incredibly proud, and we're really like big jerks about the music in the film. We yeah. like we yeah, it's John McHugh, man. Sorry, John. Sorry, John. Uh, like, he's our, our constraints, music man. We have so many constraints. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he uh, he he kept suggesting great suggestions that were not from the Bay, and we wouldn't right. do it. He'd play <laughs> song and be like, "What do you think of this one?" Be like, "It's fantastic." Who is this? He'd be like, "Oh, Kevin from LA. Gotta uh, go." Okay. <laughs> Sorry, dude. Like, but you that's love what it. Kind of had to be though, you know, know, for this movie. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely an Oakland movie all the way through. And you've got your Golden State Warriors sweatshirt on. Man. He's got yeah. a Bay pin right yeah, Mike. Nice. Yeah. Repping. There's something about the Bay Area. The people from there are just like loud and proud. Well, yeah, Down yeah, yeah, to yeah. 11 at all times. <laughs> yeah. I love it. It's one of my favorite places. In fact, we've um, my other show, Stuff You Should Know, is sort of the you know the bigger one. And yeah. we've, we've been had offers to do the Fox Theater. Oh, and yeah. so I saw that in the movie. I was like, oh, man, that's what it looks like? Yeah, yeah. Like, maybe we should go over there. Fox is beautiful. Yeah, we're always in San Francisco. Such a good show. We should go over, man. Do it in Oakland. All right, for sure. You feel like we did it, guys? Feels good to me, man. It was great. Yeah, yeah. This is fun. Yeah. Thanks for coming in. This is yeah, great. This is awesome. This is really great. Immediate, so uh, immediate fan on this side. Oh, thank you so right. much. All right. It's thanks, so guys. You enjoyed it, man. Thank you. All right, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that. The guys were super nice, and it's always fun to meet new people. 
who uh, I respect as artists. I'm uh, new fans of both of them after seeing their movie and uh, didn't quite know what to expect. And they came in here and were just really grounded, nice dudes. Great conversationalists, and it was it was a pure pleasure talking to both of them. So go out and support Blind Spotting. You can go to www.blindspotting.movie. Again, it comes out across the country August 10th in New York and L.A. July 27th. If you like good movies, good indies, good music, hip-hop, this is the movie for you. You can also follow David uh, on Twitter at David Diggs, D-A-V-E-E-D-D-I-G-G-S, and Twitter, Rafael Casal, R-A-F-A-E-L-C-A-S-A-L. Very nice guys, and uh, support their future endeavors. Um, I can't wait to see what they come out with next. It was a lot of fun having them in here. So thanks for joining us, and until next week, uh, I think maybe you should make the leap from Broadway stardom to indie film stardom. Go do it. Movie Crush is produced, engineered, edited, and soundtracked by Noel Brown and Ramsey Yunt at HowStuffWorks Studios, Pont City Market, Atlanta, Georgia. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual.